Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Another Brickfits.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is UK author Lucy Nickel. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I discovered you through a book that came out this year called Snowflake Breaking, Breaking Through Mental Health Stereotypes and Stigma, a book that I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I love the way that you sort of tell us to just educate ourselves. That's kind of that's all we have to do. We don't have to stick with what we thought we knew. We can just learn by the progressive society, can't we? Exactly. It's not about slapping wrists. It's it's about um, just taking a, a moment to pause and think about, is what you're saying so precious and important to you that you would rather say it regardless of yeah. how it might impact somebody else? Because really, when we think about it, these like words and things that we get so hung up about because of tradition, mm. um, you know, at the end of the day, why, why? Why is it so? Why is that word so important to us? You know, if a word gets bleeped out of a song because it has offended people, why are we so upset about that? I don't think it changes our lives dramatically. So yeah, it's about kind of saying, come on, let's just let's just look at this. Let's look at mental health stigma, see how it affects people, and not get so hung up on words being stolen from us. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Now we will get onto your novels, but just very quickly, because obviously, film as a filmmaker and as a filmmaking podcast it's interesting that you've you're passionate about challenging mental health stigma as a as an individual and you've worked with charities and stuff but you've also worked on providing script advice for soaps and dramas regarding mental health do you want to talk about what that what that involves in terms of what you're able to do to help a drama sort of get things right yeah that that was that's a brilliant um role so i was um i met online if you like i met Mm. um Jenny, who Jenny Regan, who was heading up the media advisory desk for Mind, and because I had a background in kind of um, the arts, and I was working and writing a lot in mental health, yeah. So I'd seen numerous scripts when I worked in theatre and, and stuff. Um, and uh, she said, "Would you be interested in joining the team as a freelance script advisor?" I said, "Absolutely." And it's such a a brilliant and interesting uh, way of working. So basically it's not about being delivered some kind of final script to the soap opera and marking it in red pen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not about that. The majority of the time we would be having conversations with story editors, researchers, etc. Yeah. Um, way back at the start of the process. So one of the, best storylines I worked on was for Coronation Street and it was um, a character called Carla, Carla Mm. Connor, who they wanted to explore the experience of psychosis um, that she would experience um, 
not because she was diagnosed with schizophrenia, which is what we often associate psychosis with, um, but because she'd been through extreme trauma and depression. Um, So a lot of these things combined resulting in a a breakdown and a psychotic break. And um, they talked, yeah, they were talking to us right from the beginning. So on that storyline, I actually worked with Coronation Street for about seven or eight months. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um it's 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 very much a collaborative a collaborative process. So, you know, we'd we'd throw ideas around, they'd come back to us with like the story beats. If there was something that I felt um didn't sit right because it might have been stigmatizing, I'd discuss that with them. Mm. Um if there was something, for example, um with legal implications, like you know, a um section under the Mental Health Act, I would have access to Mind's legal team to make sure that everything is, you know, correct. If we needed to talk about treatment or um, medication, I'd have access to Mind's info team. So, um, yeah, it's a, just an absolute fascinating project. And I worked on EastEnders and Corrie and Hollyoaks and um, Strike and BBC drama industry, all sorts of things. What's the portrayals of mental health and, and therefore trying to avoid the stigmatised of mental health do you see in a general sense in drama that's easily avoided that for a filmmaker listening in, they could take as advice if looking at a script themselves they're doing? One thing that is best to avoid at all costs, and I think this, you read this in Samaritan's guidelines, but in so many media guidelines for any mental health charity, mm. is um methods of suicide um that can be very triggering for people um and very upsetting for people and it's just it's not something that you want to risk any kind of um copycat yeah. i suppose you know? so if you were talking about a place where people were taking their own life um and it, you know and if, if, it, if this was in non-fiction for example and it was a place where that happened that yeah. would be quite irresponsible so suicide is something i think we shouldn't avoid we you know it, we need to talk about suicide um and suicidal ideation but i think methods of suicide are something to stay away from or at least not to show explicitly um but then I think there's kind of there's there's so many things around psychosis is always very stigmatized. You always get people who are, um, you know, they might show somebody who commits a criminal act with experienced psychosis. Where actually the majority of people psychosis are very vulnerable. And that's what I loved about the Coronation Street storyline is that they took a very assertive character. Carla Connor is a very assertive character. and so what they showed was how. Uh, psychosis made her more vulnerable. So I think that's the, um, you know, exploring the vulnerability of it and trying to move away from sensationalizing. Mm. Um, and I think, to be honest, I think it's more powerful in in those ways as well. And I think also making sure if you're writing scripts or books or whatever that you do, I don't really like the, the term sensitivity reader, but authenticity reader. It's like what I was doing, obviously, with, um, with mind, we would often have people with lived experience who we might introduce to an actor or a writer or a director who would be able to comment on, you know, how might I feel 
So if an actor's exploring how they might portray something, yeah. they can talk to someone. How might you feel in that moment? What might you be doing? What might your body language be like? Um, so I think that having lived experience involved in a collaborative way in the process is absolutely key. You're, you're, a, you're a prolific writer, Lucy, if you don't mind me saying. Um, the last <laughs> few years, there's, there's, you know, obviously Snowflake I've mentioned, but in, you know, 2021, you get the 27 Club, which is your first Emma and Dave story. Uh, yeah. It was tale of myths, myth, music, myths, mental health, and friendship, and then you follow that up in 2022 with the sequel, Park Life. Now you've got your novel, No Worries If Not, from Harper Coll- available from Harper Collins. So jump into your latest one. Give us a brief synopsis to what that's about first. Yep. So No Worries If Not is about one woman's mission to break up with the word sorry. So that's my elevator pitch. So. Um, Basically, Charlotte is, uh, she's a young woman, late 20s. She realises that she constantly apologises for everything. Yeah. And um, there's a turning point, there's a pivotal moment, which I'll not spoil, but where she realises she is literally apologising for being a woman. She's like, that's it, no more. But it's a rom-com. So in true rom-com style, there is a man. There is a will they, won't they. There's lots of kind of missed opportunities and miscommunications. And, you know, so there's a lot of fun there. So it's got it's got friendship. It's got dodgy dates. It's got, you know, office culture. Mm. Um, got Newcastle because it's set in the tune. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's essentially a bit of a feminist, a feminist novel. It's got a feminist message and it's about okay. women not apologizing for taking up space. Uh, not over apologizing, but also kind of exploring. Well, you know, it's not about being a you know, just being trying to think of a word that isn't a swear word. <laughs> you're, not, you're, you're allowed to swear if you want. There's no, there's no, there's no censorship on the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say it's about not being a total. Well, uh, I can't think of anything apart from the worst word. Um, basically, about not being a horrible person. Okay, um, and. Um, looking at the balance and when when there is a place for apologizing yeah in life um but certainly not if somebody bumps into you or stands on your foot you know the fact we're constantly saying apologize i apologize or i apologize before i have a great idea that i'm going to share with you um or i apologize because i'm asking you to move your man spreading legs so that's that's a little that's yeah, a yeah, little yeah, yeah. the book so yeah, so it's got a bit of a feminist punch to it, but it's it's ridiculous and silly and funny and So in when when you start a book like that, what what do you remember being the kernel of the idea that got you set you off on the journey to the book we can now see in the book on the bookshelves? <laughs> well, if you want me to be completely honest, it was my smear test. <laughs> okay, carry on. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Now, the thing is, I've kind of like I've kind of um blocked myself here because it's I can't really because I don't want to give it away. Okay, that's okay. Like, there's a pivotal moment in the book, but it was something that I realised. And funnily enough, when I mentioned this to a few people, mm. they said, I have apologised about that at a smear test as well. And uh, it's nothing horrible. Like, mm. it's, 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 it's just quite funny. And it's just hilarious that women feel they have to apologise for it. Oh, and it's and the whole no worries if not thing. Obviously, the title, like ending every email with no worries if not. And my God, I did that so many times. Um, I've stopped doing it since I've written the book. I have, yeah, I don't think I've done it once. Um, 
But we say it, and it's like giving people a get-out clause. It's like giving them permission to turn you down for something. And the funny thing is that we do it sometimes when we feel like we're asking a favour of somebody. Mm -hmm. We can kind of get. But then I've had friends like send me a message asking me if I fancy going out for a drink or something, which is a lovely thing. No worries if not. So it's, um, yeah, I do find that quite amusing. When you write, when you're writing your novels, are you what's what's your process in terms of developing a story? Are you a get up in the morning and you know catch the early catch the you know get the worm and everything, or are you a late night owl? Or I don't have one if I'm completely honest. And I've written books totally differently. So like when I wrote Twenty Seven Club, it started out with literally no plan, hmm. just here's a hook concept. It's going to be about mental health. It's going to link to the Twenty Seven Club. And I just start writing and see what comes out. And then, I mean, with that, I actually had a, a manuscript assessment from an established writer um, very early doors before I'd barely, you know, I'd only mm. written about chapters or something. Whereas when I wrote Park Life, it was completely the other way around. And I had a, I thoroughly plotted it out. I'd, I'd prepared everything. You know, I knew exactly what I was going to be writing. With no worries, if not, I wrote the pivotal scene first, which is chapter nine. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's, I don't really have a, I don't really have a, a process that I use. It's just whatever my brain tells me to do. And in terms of mornings or nights, depends how I've slept. I'm perimenopausal sometimes. <laughs> I am not that awake in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it depends, it depends how, uh, you know, fired up my brain is as to when I'm best writing. But getting out of the house is a really good thing for me, especially going to the coast. I love going to the coast and writing. Well, look, thank you for sharing that. And uh, No Worries If Not from HarperCollins is out 3rd of August. Hopefully by the time this goes live, it will already be out and people can get it. I'll put a link in the show notes so people can find it easy enough. And without further ado, let us move into the film portion of the podcast, which is three films that have impacted everything in your adult life. Are you ready for this, Lucy? I am, yes. Brilliant. Now, I'm going to remind people of the rules, and the rules, it sound, that sounds very dramatic. Basically, we've got three films that Lucy's very kindly shared with me. I'm going to do them in the order you gave them me. We're going to talk about each one for five minutes, and then when five minutes are up, we will hear this sound. And that's the sound of five minutes ending. And then we move on to the next film. That sounds simple enough. Right. Starting us off in 2004, we've got, written by Charlie Kaufman, directed by Michel Gondry, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind from 2004. Do you want to tell us where this features? Is it impacting on your life and, and how you saw it, etc.? I think it's just the idea of Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind. So it's basically about... Um, there's a couple, they break up, and um, she's called Clementine. She's played by Kate Winslet, and um, she's very impulsive, and she hears about a way that she can, because she's so devastated, she can just wipe Joel from her mind. Mm. Joel, played by Jim Carrey. She can just wipe him from her mind um, to take the pain away, I suppose. So she's wiping all of the memories, everything, from her mind. And I just think it's such an interesting idea. You know, would you choose to do that? Would you choose even, if, you know, if you had a, a great love or if you had a pet that you loved mm. 
and uh, that you you lost them. Um, would you rather not have any of those good memories because of that heartbreak at the time? So I thought it was a really interesting one. I saw it at the cinema, actually with an ex-boyfriend, and I'll never forget him saying, <laughs> I was telling my husband about this the other day, he actually said to me, um, there's a line in it where Clementine is trying to Joel and Joel says, um, constantly talking is not necessarily communicating. And I remember my ex saying, that she knew that is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my husband agrees. <laughs> so, that's the way. So, th- so there's something in the film that I very much relate to. But I think, oh, let's get deeper on a deeper level. Um, I just think it's such an interesting, an interesting concept. And in fact, I remember um, it might have been my dad, somebody saying to me, I don't know if I want to get any more pets because it's too heartbreaking. Okay. Because obviously yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. live as far with us, do they? So you're, you are going to lose pets. You're going to have to say goodbye to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. well would I rather not have them in my life to avoid that upset or would I rather enjoy the company of having living with animals um so you can look at it as much you can look at it with you know the great loves of your life whatever it may be would you rather get rid of the memories to avoid the heartbreak I think it's an interesting question no without a doubt and also I, I never, it didn't dawn on me till looking at it as a when somebody gives you a list of films you 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 tend to reassess them, even if you know them really well. I'd never thought about, I focused on the spotless mind. And I just, mm. then it just dawned on me, yeah, the idea of cleaning up your head. Like, yeah. how great that would be. But then, like you say, everything gone, that's not, because yeah. there's happy, I mean, and you, because you, 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 you tweet a lot about music and stuff. And I think we have similar kind of, generationally speaking, similar. I remember reading Kim Gordon's book, um, Girl in a Band. Oh, I've not. Yes. Oh, and, and the thing is, you read it and it's the story of someone actually ask. I mean, it feels really weird and maybe I was imposing it on it, but it feels like somebody going, A, did he ever love me? 
And B, was this band fun at any point? Because when did he stop loving me? It was kind of the subtext of the book as I read yeah. it. Because mm-hmm. it's one of my favourite bands. And I was expecting this kind of like, wasn't it great being in this band? Da, 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 da. And then suddenly you read the story, you go, yeah, it fucked me over. And now I can't yeah. trust any of my memories, which is kind of what, I guess, what Kaufman... And Kaufman's a very interesting writer because he's constantly... Because film is a very external experience because it's what mm. we see and what we hear. And obviously what goes in our mind is very internal. And he manages to make films that get the mind out into the out onto the screen, for want of a better expression. Yes, it's so kind of fragmented. You do get a little bit lost, but that's yeah. because it's somebody's, you know, we're, we're going inside someone's mind and their memories and we're kind of dipping in and out of them. And, you know, and I think there's like one of the key messages in it is that, you can't completely erase somebody mm. because if you've been in love, it will have changed you in some way, shape or form. Yeah. So there will always be something of them that you take with them, even if you can't remember what that is. Um, there'll always be something you've learned or some way you've changed because well, we're all changing constantly. And, and if I you got rid and if you got rid of that, would that mean that you'd regress? I mean, because you've not got that lesson that you learned, even if it was a horrible one to learn but you still moved you yeah. forward. That feels scary to me. I mean, that's maybe what... Oh, there's our five minutes. Yeah. No, I, th- I mean, because it, it, it's... You know, one of the things I remember learning first time around on, on, on sort of screenwriting was screenplays are meant to make sense, real life doesn't. And yeah. I think that what Charlie Corfer manages to do really well is he, he manages to get a little bit of that chaos of what... Or the pretense of chaos of real life in in and amongst the narrative, which obviously still has to work itself out. You can't just... It makes us question ourselves. It's so provocative. It really makes you question yourself, Absolutely. I think. Yeah. Right then. Number two choice, Lucy, is 1978. Now, I I didn't know who wrote and directed this. This has been a, a little... Because I saw this at the cinema myself as a kid. Uh, so Bronte Woodard uh, wrote it, and it was directed by Randall Kleiser. I am, of course, I say of course, like not everybody will know this, Greece from 1978. Now, this story, I believe, is not necessarily the necessarily the happy story of a film watching thing from what you from what you previewed for me when you messaged about this one. So I think with Greece, because we're saying films that have impacted all of our adult lives, yeah. we didn't say that have positively impacted all of our No, adult no, no. That's and, and let's be honest, what we've just conversation we just had, it's clear not every experience is a good one. Exactly. Yeah. So Greece. So I was absolutely obsessed with Greece as a kid mm. to the point of we were doing it as a play in the garage um, every single day of the school <laughs> holidays. I was playing Sandy. Um, my friend Philippa was playing Danny. She even uh, wrote T-Birds on the back of her jacket. We were pretending to smoke. Superb. Yeah, I think she stole some cigarettes from her uncle. Um, so... It, you know, we thought this is this is so cool. This is so cool. This is the way we need to be. This is how we need to grow up. And then you you reflect on it and you're like, oh my god, how much is that film? And it won't be the only one. Hmm. How much has that film and so many others totally given us this anti-feminist message that we have to change who we are to be accepted and to be. And to find a boyfriend, basically, that's what it's saying, mm. isn't it? So, you know, you've got, you've basically got somebody who um, 
all of her friends, everybody around her, everybody around Sandy is saying, if you want Danny Zuko, you're going to have to wear different clothes. You're going to have to speak differently. You're going to have to perm your hair. You're going to have to smoke cigarettes. And um, and that's how you're going to get your man. And it's just such an absolutely awful, awful, toxic message. But I think when I think about the years that I loved it and how much I did love it and how much time, I mean, honestly, I sat with another friend, Claire, and we wrote, we kept pausing the video so we could write the script so we could perform the, the film in full. We never did. Yeah. Um, but that's how obsessed we were with it. And yeah, I just think, my God, you think of the things that we think today are wrong, you know. Oh, God, how dare we say the F word and blah, 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 blah. Really, what harm does that do? But films like Greece, honestly, I think if we if we sat a 12-year-old down in front of Greece today and got them to watch it, I think that would do a lot more damage. What, <laughs> what, out of interest, what, when was your great awakening then to this film that you loved so much? I think it probably happened over time. Yeah. I think probably, I don't even know if it was in my 20s. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I, I think that's the thing where it, it has impacted me. I think I behaved in certain ways. I remember, in fact, I was, as I was growing up, I was really into, we're talking about that kind of music, Sonic Youth, and, you know, Hull and Nirvana and going to Spider's nightclub in Hull. Yeah. And uh, I was single for quite a while when I was younger. And I thought, what I need to do to find a boyfriend is to, to change all of this and to dress up in high heels and to go to this really crappy nightclub called Position where they play R&B music. And that is how I'm going to find a boyfriend, by looking, dressing, dancing and behaving like a girl. <laughs> and of course, now I've found my confidence again because I'm older. Like, sod that. Like, as if I'd never wear heels. I'm much happier in trainers or Doc Martens. I'm just, you know, sitting here in a baggy jumper and baggy jeans and listening to the music that I really love. And so I do think that throughout my life, I have tried to fit into things to be accepted. And I think Greece, it's not the only reason society as a whole has, you know, made women especially, I think. Yeah. I think they have to behave in a certain way or look a certain way. Um, but Greece very much plays into that narrative without a doubt. So I think, you know, I, I'm not going to say it's something that, oh, I turned 18 and realised it was wrong. No, much, much further down the line. And I think it still affects me now to some degree. I'm sure in some way it does. I mean, not nearly as toxic, but if you think about what the message it sends to young men, because obviously I, I is he was in love with her when he wasn't in the hometown and he was this nice, yeah. sweet guy. And then when he comes back, he has to be a twat. And he has to yeah. be he has to be all cold and and not yeah. love love is not for men. Exactly. <laughs> don't don't be in love. You can you can shagger if you want, but that's yeah. and you can tell us all about it, but don't be yeah. falling in love. That's not oh, what that's an interesting part to end on. Because yes, the whole toxic masculinity side of it, absolutely. I mean, I'm seeing it through my eyes, but yeah, it's, and it's only because it's it, it, you. You you basically are. I mean, a lot of the John Hughes films do it as well. Is that it's about the tenacity of the man? Yeah. <laughs> to to not accept no, whereas obviously no means no mm. has been a message that's come that's come through. Not yeah. necessarily getting through to everybody, but certainly it's an accepted message. Yes. In society now, but 
if you look at those 80s films, no men, well, I've not done the right poem or I've not played her the right song. Yeah. And you're, and you're yeah. saying for a woman, it's like, well, I haven't, I haven't dressed myself right to appeal to what he wants. Exactly. Which is such a bizarre way to go about. Absolutely awful. Yeah, yeah. It's That's one of the things I love about getting older. You know, I'm 45 now and I'm just so much more comfortable in my own skin. I feel more like the 15-year-old I wanted to be if I wasn't so shy and socially anxious and mm. full of low self-esteem because of these sorts of films. <laughs> well, it'd be interesting then to talk about the next film which is directed by Superman's Richard Donner and written by, I mean, his parents must be having a laugh, written by Chris Columbus. I mean, I'm guessing he's Christopher Columbus as reality, so why you would call your kid that, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I'm talking about um, 1985's The Goonies, which, if I'm right, from my last rewatch, I think that's survived intact. I think it has. Whereas, you know, Greece might have fallen by the wayside with some of its sexual politics, but I don't know if The Goonies has has fallen by the wayside. I mean, tell us your like where you see this and how it becomes important to you. The Goonies, I rewatch every so often. So it might be every couple of years or something. I'll rewatch the Goonies. And do you know what it is to me? It's just a reminder that life can be an adventure. Mm. It sounds so corny, but it's so true that life can be fun and can be an adventure. And you just have to make it that way. And you don't have to become serious boring grown-ups like who wants to be one of those i don't i actually think i think there's something about when you hit your 30s you feel like you're preparing to be grown up and sophisticated and you know and i think that for me that was my most boring part of my life where i dressed in a boring way and you know listened to boring music and you know trying to be a grown-up yeah and I just think when you get to a certain age and you can just think actually no I want to go on fairground rides now (laughs) I want to I want to like run around Fragside Gardens and imagine what it's like if there were like witches and you know witchcraft and I, I let your imagination run wild and I just think the Goonies is just such a gorgeous innocent kind of adventure yeah that reminds us that you know the fact that I'm 45 and I enjoy it possibly even more now than I did when I was a kid because it just reignites that in you I think it's just from start to finish it's just and the joy I was gonna say is there any is there any particular is there any particular sequence that you particularly like re-watching this isn't so much this is the first one that's bringing to mind it's not so much about liking re-watching it but I just think there's something they capture something at the end you know when they all come out Mm. and they you know there's the press and the guy from the council and all their parents are there Mm. and all the kids are talking over each other because oh my god they're so excited because this has happened and that's happened and that's happened and that's what you like when you're young I mean obviously I didn't have a, a real life pirate ship I probably imagined it or, you know, we might just get excitable over something and playing in the woods and, you know, pretending we had a base and there were, I don't know, whatever you did. As yeah, kids. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's just about finding those things, isn't it, in life now, like finding those little magic moments and kind of like just letting them wash over you, like enjoying them. 
pausing and enjoying them and not taking everything so seriously. And I do think I am embracing like the the kid that I was mm. more so now than I have in my twenties and thirties. It's like when you get on a bike. I mean, there's a scene where they all like jump on their bikes. I think they've mm. tied the big brother Brandon to the chair with his exercise. Mm. And they all jump on their bikes and head away. And you, you can remember that feeling of absolute freedom. Mm. And, um, so we bought, me and my husband bought some bikes recently, some secondhand bikes off a community Facebook group. And um, I just remember like getting on them and just driving, like riding down um, near Gosforth Park we were, and riding down this like hill and just how like free and liberating we felt. Like, we didn't care what we looked like, you know. It was just my hair was flying behind me. I was just going as fast as I could. I could have fallen off at any moment. Um, did not want to slow down. And it was it was just remembering that feeling of of anything could happen. And it and it's something as well, I think, about having things mapped out for you. Because I don't think you have to have everything mapped out. Mm. I think I feel please finish oh, that thought. <laughs> yeah I still like I still like to think that anything could happen I've still got many years in me I hope and um I don't like to think that everything's mapped out I don't want to I don't want to work to some boring plan um and as kids we certainly don't and the Goonies had no idea what they were they were going off on an adventure following some old map and seeing what happened and it was um it's just so much fun wasn't it indeed I mean coincidentally I've only I've recently bought the Blu-ray of it because my wife has never seen it. <gasps> oh my so, god! So I'm gonna have the joy of watching it with someone who's never seen it before. That'll be very special. That'll be really special. Yeah, it's brilliant. A brilliant film. And there's a few others I could have chucked in there, like um, quite different, but the fun of Lost Boys when yeah. you've got like the Frog Brothers. Um, I can't remember the name Corey Haim's character, but the three of them together like on a on a serious mission i mean they are because there are actual vampires and lost boys but i remember doing that as kids you know like conjuring something up and on a mission to deal with it just brilliant <laughs> indeed well look best of luck with the release of no worries if not i'm sure thank you're going to be a, a ripping success and it just gives me to say thank you very much give you time on the britflix podcast thank you it's been a blast it's been fun thank you i'm glad you enjoyed it Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.